Welcome everyone to another episode of my uh, podcast and hello if you're watching on um, YouTube. I don't know why I wave because I don't have no reason to be watching this, not even in, even live. Um, delighted, as you all know, I'm always delighted uh, to have the wonderful John Selig. John Selig, yes, correct? Um, no, but that's okay. It's okay, so I got, I got it wrong. Great, straight yeah. start. Um, totally unscripted, as everybody knows. Um, I came across John through um, the Sales Borg's uh, WhatsApp group. If you're not part of that, or if you know, you know. If you don't know, you know. You need to go and find the salesborgs.ai. Put your teeth back in. God, it's three o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon in the in the UK. John really caught my attention, and I'll just shut up and let John talk. Because um, he describes himself as half sales guy, half stand-up comic comic or parental disappointment. I'm doing really well here, Alexander. I help sellers create punchlines that build a pipeline. And I had a chat with John last week, a couple of weeks ago, and I love that his unique, truly unique story, can anything be truly unique? You either are or you aren't, into, he's been there and done it, carried a bag, big organization like this, such as Oracle, then moved into um, kind of stand-up comedy, but we're gonna debate the word comedy and John's perception uh, on that. And now helps sales leaders, sales organizations, sales teams understand, I guess, comedy, not comedy, the mechanics of comedy uh, into creating better content to generate pipeline and revenue. So I'll just shut up <laughs> and let John take over and introduce himself. John, welcome. Thank you so much. That was, that was really well done. That was a good intro. I totally forgive uh, the mispronunciation of my name because it, it's actually the second most common, um, it's the most common mispronunciation of my name. And people have mangled it in so many more worse, horrid and offensive ways that if someone says Selig, it's really no big deal. It's Selig. But, uh, but, but Selig, I get all the time and I let it slide. Uh, I figured I just, you know, you asked if, if you're pronouncing it correctly or not. And I said, no, but, uh, but I'm not, I, I hold no ill will towards you, but everything else was, uh, it was, I give you an A instead of an A plus on that intro, uh, strictly for the mispronunciation of the name, which is, uh, again, a very common mistake you made. So thank you for having me. I will, I will take an A any day of the, uh, any day of the week. So John, your, your story is genuinely a fascinating one. So you started out life in, you know, doing, doing the hard yards in sales, um, big organization, Oracle, you may, you may have heard it. And then you made those, the kind of the move into being an independent sales and business development consultant, then comedy abroad, which I think is a really interesting story when we, we touched on that. And now you do what you do. So over to you, what, what, what's John Selig's story? My story is uh, I had like so many uh, competent sales professionals. Uh, I ended up doing it because I didn't know what the hell else I could do in life. And uh, that small startup called Oracle uh, offered me a role in uh, 2002. And I figured I could be the resource this company needs to get to the next level. Um, dial by dial as they were starting an SDR team for their, for their business applications organization. And I realized quickly, ha, this isn't the startup uh, that I thought it was. And the term business development consultant isn't the strategic high level thinking role that they had led me to believe, but I still took the job because again, I still, I had worked at a couple of startups, one in the dot-com world, one uh, startup consulting firm, kind of in the dot-com bus era, yeah. uh, not a good time to be working at a dot-com just as they're about to, to bust <laughs> and, or a consulting firm aimed at helping dot-coms. So, um, you know, I was, I was kind of floating a little bit uh, astray. I don't know if that's the word. I was floating a little bit 
took a job at Oracle. And I remember when I walked into the, uh, what turned out to be a group interview, I found this to be horribly offensive. I have an MBA, I'm wearing a suit. This is incredibly disrespectful that I'm part of this cattle call interview. And to add more insult to injury, we were all called into a room and I'm already disgusted by the fact that this isn't a one-on-one -on -one interview that I'm having, that I'm not some special candidate. There's like 30 other people here to interview for this exact same job. And the woman who was the director of inside sales for, for Oracle Direct, as they called it back in the day, mm -hmm. she literally said, this is Oracle Direct. We are the telemarketing arm of Oracle. At that point, I almost stood up and walked right out. <laughs> but this uh, very wise little voice, um, or prudent voice at the back of my head said, just sit, don't make a scene, just follow through with this. Yeah. They, had, they had asked me actually to craft a presentation about something, mm -hmm. uh, about you know a business I was familiar with. And I worked on that and I said, just you, you've taken the trouble not only to create the presentation, but to drive to suburban Toronto where I was living at, uh, I was living in downtown Toronto at the time. Um, you've taken the time and braved these cars and traffic and construction to get here. Let's just go through with this. And uh, they called... They called uh, a bunch of names for people who were going to interview with different managers. My name wasn't called. I'm like, oh. And they said, if your name wasn't called, you're just going to go straight away and present. And I presented to the person who ended up becoming my manager. Mm -hmm. And I said, do you have any questions after I positioned a friend start a business? He said, I, he said, I don't understand a word of what you just said, but you're going to fit in just fine around here. <laughs> In his, thick text and, <laughs> yeah, in his thick text and draw. And I thought it was so funny. And I, I went through some interviews. They said, we'll let you know in a couple of weeks. But the next day they called me and they said, yeah, we'd like to extend an offer. Um, my understanding at that point, by that point, was that this is a cold calling role. Mm -hmm. um, there was no, this is 2000, late 2002. There was no, um, you know, cold emailing as, as a strategy. It's just the phone. And that was it. And I just said, I can do this. This seems like the money was good. It seemed mm -hmm. like I had really clear objectives, which is a refreshing change from some of my past roles, uh, which had, uh, you know, ultimately was, was part of the driver why I was seeking a new role. Yeah. And I just decided this could be a good place. Oracle, you know, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a global organization. Uh, we all know some things about it, but at the same time, I will say Oracle really invests heavily in your development and your training. And it just seemed like a good spot for someone with a very good grasp of um, business operations yeah. uh, across large organizations. And, and I, I started there, uh, I hit my numbers and ended up moving into um, an inside sales role. Mm -hmm. And so after two and a half years at Oracle, uh, I knew that, hmm, I don't know if I wanna be part of this machine forever, but I still like selling Oracle. Yeah. I jumped to an Oracle partner mm -hmm. here in my hometown of Montreal. And I helped grow that company from eight people to 35 people. I did everything. I did full cycle sales, everything from cold calling to field yeah. sales. And, um, and then at a certain point I was like, huh, I don't want to do this the rest of my life. Um, I just got, I, I just didn't really feel like talking to CFOs and CIOs about yeah. what ETL tools they're going to be using to extract, transform and load data into their data warehouse. Like there was something about it that wasn't super like, like this isn't what I want to do with the rest of my life. And I was always a creative guy. And I started, uh, I took a stand-up comedy class. I didn't even know it was a stand-up class. I thought it was a comedy writing class. Yeah. I wanted to maybe create some YouTube sketches or, mm -hmm. or sketch comedy with yeah. some other people. And uh, in short, um, you know, the, 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 the teacher, I guess we'll call him, he said, your final exam will be a five-minute uh, stand-up 
five, five minutes to stand up for your friends and family. And I said, I'm not doing that at That's all. Brutal. <laughs> Correct. And, but after, after a few weeks of getting up on stage and doing the homework and going through the steps, about 60% of the way through, I said, okay, I can do this final exam. And I did it. The only thing was I did not invite any of my friends or family because <laughs> that would have felt awful inside. But I got laughs the first time and I was addicted. Mm-hmm. And uh, from that point on, I just got addicted to stand up. I was performing three to five weeks for the vast majority of nine years cool. until the global pandemic hit. I yeah. scaled back a little bit in the year before the pandemic, but um, performed at clubs and, and little festivals and, and all kinds of open mic and crappy bar shows and uh, everything in between. What sort of what sort of uh, what sort of stand up situational or um, kind of one liners or who would you know who, who would you compare yourself to in the comedy circuit that I might have heard of or I think, may have heard of I don't know. <laughs> I think that'd be really arrogant if I was to compare myself to anybody. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I always I always ask myself that question. Yeah. I did a mix of some some short jokes, some mm-hmm. one liners. I did. I had some stories. I had some observational stuff. Yeah. I had the. Th- I had all three baked into one. I had some cool. self-deprecating humor. Yeah. Um, I, I don't. I, I don't know if I compare to anybody, but I'm also not. I, I'm something you've seen and haven't all at once. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. And so, what was the? I know we kind of touched on this before we kind of came. I always say this: we went live. It sounds like you and I were sitting in some posh green room somewhere in some in some big studio, and I'm sat here getting very hot and sweaty in my house in uh, in London because it's like 25 degrees and uh, no um, uh, no air conditioning. That's 77 Fahrenheit for our US uh, friends. Anybody else who doesn't uh, doesn't know the degrees Celsius, which John just castigated me for because I completely forgot that of course Canada also operates on the Celsius side of things rather than uh, the Fahrenheit side of things. So what what led you to kind of join the two together in terms of hmm, like I've been there and done it and you know the hard yards of I'm I was back in the day you would have been at Oracle albeit in Canada when I was recruiting sales professionals into the IT and tech sector so you would have been the kind of candidate that I would try and fish from Oracle and probably flock to SAP for a little bit more money in the, in the dream job and it was just hardcore cold calling that's all we we could do so being there done it you know, Glen Gary, Glen Ross, the first prize is you, you got your job, second prize is whatever, steak knives, and the other one is you're fired. So how, what, what, what did you, at what points did you think I could then bring this, I could bring the experience of being there and done it and helping grow businesses. And then my experience of stand-up, I've never done stand-up before, but I'm so full respect to anybody that's done that because that is just, you're letting yourself out for the wolves and there's no, no mercy from the, from the audience. You're far worse than cold calling anybody to sell something they're not particularly interested in. So whether you kind of make that, I can bring that skill, if you will, and let's debate the word comedy, into helping sales reps be more effective in what they do in terms of outreach. So I had this moment of realization when people said to me, John, it's so great that you're pursuing your passion. And I'd be like, to be clear, my passion isn't comedy. It's never selling software again like that. <laughs> so I, I just knew like from a certain point, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I want to be working for people and, mm-hmm. you know, well, let's face it. Let, let's, let's, let's call this out. When we sell technology that we didn't create, we are drinking Kool-Aid yeah. um, and we are, sometimes spewing it all over people and i just kind of it's a bit of a terrible analogy but it's but it's kind of true we i have this expression most sales pros sell stuff they've never used to people whose jobs they've never had in industries they've never worked and after a while that just felt a little um disingenuous to me personally 
Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to pursue some other things in life. And, and, and it's not to knock the profession because I have a lot of respect for everyone who does it mm-hmm. and people who do with honesty and integrity. And I think if you can serve your clients in a way that's win-win and you're making a great living and you're happy, God bless, right? Um, but I also realized the first time I got on stage that there are people here with their arms folded much the same way when I was in a boardroom with six middle-aged executives who had to meet with me because I was the third vendor on their list. Wow. They already knew who they're buying. And they're just like, who, like they're all, whether it's the comedy crowd or whether it's the, the boardroom of decision makers, they're like, who, who is this guy? Like, why are we here? You know, <laughs> no one wants to be there, but you have like six to 12 seconds to get them to unfold their arms. Mm-hmm which is the exact same length of time that we have to get someone who answers a cold call to open up to us and to accept us and to give us another, let's just say 10 to 15 seconds. Yeah. So messaging and crafting a message that is relevant to our audience and that triggers an emotional reaction um, and, and that, that is memorable Uh, is common to the two. It's a necessary thing in both roles. And the art of writing, you know, one-liners or jokes, as I call them, not not old-timey three ministers, three three members of interfaith groups walking to bars, Um, not those kind of jokes, not street jokes, not long rambly jokes, just short one to two sentence uh, jokes are very valuable, of course, in stand-up because that's literally the job, but also in sales. That, That structure can be applied to... Uh, an opener uh, mm-hmm. with with a prospect, yeah. Get their attention to demonstrate relevance and to to elicit an emotional reaction that gets them talking. Make you make it sound so simple, and you know it's interesting in terms of if I, you know, reflect on what I'm doing at the moment and kind of world of social media in terms of how you write in terms of copy. It's the same. It's kind of the same thing. You're trying to write copy that's going to create a, an emotional reaction to that short form piece of content to then want to engage you know in in the longer form of uh, of content it, it is it is no different i guess i guess just with writing you have more time to think about it whereas you know when you're when you're talking and if i think back to my days of cold calling and you're you know yes i've never heard of you i've heard of michael michael page international you're the x number of recruitment consultant that's called me because yes we're advertising for this for this job um how do you stand out from the from the masses so what, what are some of the things that, what is that structure that anybody listening to this would need to start to think about is how you craft that, uh, that message that is both relevant, mem- memorable, but not the same as everyone else. And I do see, you probably see this on social and you know, some of the groups we're in as well, is that everybody, everybody starts using the same uh, disruptor pattern. And it's no longer a disruptor pattern, isn't it? Because everyone's using the same thing. So how, how do you, where, where's, the, where's the, the balance on that? How do you go about getting people to think, how do I do this that is going to work and is relevant? I'll shut up now because that was a really bad way to ask a question. No, it's, it's, it's fine. And actually, you just triggered me when you referenced the fact that everyone that we see on LinkedIn is looking for some attention hack. Yep. They're looking, they're, they don't want to put in the work. They want something that's temporary that they think is a pattern interrupt, but ultimately becomes the pattern mm-hmm. because everyone is doing it. I mean, there's certain cold call scripts that everyone thinks, yeah, listen, if something works for you, great. 
but at the same time, if, if everyone's doing it, like you're not, you're not standing out. Nice. So the, and you, you alluded to something else. Uh, the first step is the fact that you need to set some time to prepare and, and as I call it, gather raw materials, which you're going to use to craft or sculpt your message. Mm-hmm. The first step in that is understanding who is my audience, who is my buyer? What are they trying to achieve? What's, um, what are the classic roadblocks in their way? Which roadblocks can I remove for them? What are the impacts of not uh, removing those roadblocks? Mm-hmm. And how do those roadblocks and the impacts of not removing them trigger which emotions for a buyer? Yeah. So do they get scared? Uh, do they just, are they just frustrated with something? Uh, do they absolutely detest something is, um, you know, and then we look at what is their desired end state? Uh, where are they trying to get to? And what, what were they going to love, want, and need on, on route to that desired state? Um, so if we can capture all that information and then talk about what is our relevance to all that stuff we just said about our buyer? How can we help them get to their desired end state? Which roadblocks can we remove for them? Um, this is the first step. In, uh, in, in, in really crafting something that can resonate with our buyers. We don't even have to try to be funny at first. We just have to get the truth down on paper. Yeah. And why should our buyer care about us? Okay, that logic makes, that logic makes sense. That also, it's, it, is, it is interesting in terms of the understanding the, you know, what are the roadblocks we can help with? What are the buyer pains? How is this all relevant that some, and I, is this a training thing? Is this because some of the SDRs come in and just straight out of college and through no fourth or ages they don't, don't have life ex, you know, life experience like you and I, dare I say, we do. They don't even know what those are to even start that, that, that building blocks. And the same would apply to you know, marketing teams trying to create marketing content and, and so on. So that, that all makes sense. But again, that you could be kind of any sales trader, if I'm going to be blunt, that kind of says that. So where, where do we then bring in the, the John? Where do we bring in the, the, the nuance that makes you unique, if, 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 um, if that's the word I'm looking for, to add that spin? I think that you've described it sometimes in the, I've seen you describe it as roasting the pain of the, um, the kind of the person that you're, you're selling to, which I kind of like that. That, that concept of the comedy the comedy roast but it's the pain of the the problem you're trying to, to solve so how does one then I guess you, you've done that basic kind of groundwork the foundations that we've talked about if you then want to take it to the next level and I'm making an assumption here and you know what they say about assumptions not everybody maybe can get to that point because they're just not funny or just not in them to, to do it or yep. they just not have the confidence to do it but if you want if you want to make that next step how does one start to think about that? Yeah. So the so thank you for bringing that up, actually, because I was rambling a little bit with my own answer, and uh, you kind of steer me back on track. So thank you. Uh, I'll send you your check via PayPal. Uh, <laughs> can I send a check over PayPal? That was a terribly worded joke. <laughs> um, you know what I mean. The money is in. <laughs> Got to keep fumbling my own jokes. It's not here. going wrong. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But but if we look at the concept of roasting your prospect's pain, it's ultimately telling a buyer what sucks about this problem that mm-hmm. you're struggling with, which I can help you with, yeah. and painting a picture for them of where they could end up or how they'll end up feeling or a position they'll be in or what could happen to the business or their customers or their employees if they don't solve this problem. Yeah. So to be clear, I don't expect sales reps to um, write jokes mm-hmm. you know, out of the gate, no matter 
how simple and clear my process is. I always believe it's a collaborative process. Mm -hmm. And some people are more creative than others. And some people have more business knowledge than others. And pooling that knowledge, insight, understanding, and observation is a very important step in Mm -hmm. the process. Look, good jokes, um, especially the the simpler kinds, are predicated upon words and phrases. I don't mean puns. I don't teach puns. Um, But at the same time, certain words and phrases can mean multiple things. Yeah. The double meanings. And I teach various joke structures at the end of the day. Most jokes that you hear in stand-up or sometimes even on a sitcom or in sketch, Mm -hmm. they're pretty formulaic by nature. They're comparing one thing to something completely incongruent slash different. So my my go-to opener for a long time is, uh, you know, hey, Alex, uh, this this, this is John Seelig. We've never spoken before. So this call will be a lot like a craft beer, unique, refreshing, and ice cold. (laughs) <laughs> okay. yeah. Yeah. And, and lately I've been going you know way deeper with the whole concept of cold yeah. so there's a lot of things that are metaphorically cold out there so mm-hmm. um, you know one, one that springs to mind is uh, this, this call is colder than your SDR's reaction when you tell them less smiles more dials <laughs> And what I what I like about the way that you you describe it is that you're building on and you're getting people to think about the person on the other on the other end of the call. And it's this words like painting a picture. How is that going to make them feel? It's tapping into that because when you you know you mentioned that the cold beer, I visualize a cold beer, and that and that then triggers an emotion and a, and, and a feeling. I'd love a cold beer right now, to be, to, to be <laughs> honest. Or you know, the colder than the SDR's reaction to you know dial, you know, dial smiles and dials and uh, and so on. Again, I then I then get an image in my head that is unique to me because each person is going to have that kind of that that unique reaction to it, yes. and that's why humor is so brilliant but why humor is is also unique to the the individual in terms of how they um uh how they interpret it and then i guess it's then one has to be able to kind of react and be able to react pretty flexibly depending on what the response is going to be from that kind of opener that they're not they're not used to and you've got to be pretty nimble in terms of i guess your your thinking and your 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 thought processes because that can elicit, I guess, multiple different responses versus a yes or a or a no, and unless you disagree otherwise. Well, there's, let me point out two things. So those jokes um, have different contexts. So the first mm-hmm. one is I'm not highlighting a problem except for the fact that it's a cold call in that first mm-hmm. joke, the craft beer joke. Mm-hmm. However, if they laugh it demonstrates my credibility as the comedy writing for sales teams guy. Yep. The second joke demonstrates my credibility that I understand a challenge you have as, you know, let's say it's for an SDR leader. Yep. Um, so I'm saying like, you know, you're, 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 you're kind of maybe telling your reps to make more dials and they're not happy about it. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's cause it's not fun or they don't have, they're not armed uh, to, to make the calls. They, they don't feel confident about who your buyers are and the discussions that they should be having or that they need to be having with your buyers. But let's talk about, you know, if, we, if we've done all that work that I mentioned up front, yeah. even if we don't write a great joke, or mm-hmm. let's just say we write one great joke, yeah. um, 
if they if the buyer laughs and they say that that's funny that's so true how can i help you at that point there's a, there's there's a the ice has been broken yeah they're laughing confidence rises mm-hmm. from from the caller's perspective and all that work that they've done on route to writing the joke has bolstered their knowledge and understanding of their of the problems they can help their buyers solve and they should at this point if they have some other complimentary sales training know some good questions to ask because I, I don't i don't claim to be this uh, you know my, my joke is uh, i'm not medic i'm not challenger and i'm not sandler but god i wish i had his netflix money um <laughs> thank you thank you um you know i'm trying to help them boost their subject matter expertise and craft messaging that that, yeah. that resonates that triggers emotions that demonstrates their credibility and even if the buyer doesn't laugh uh they've still put the problem that they could be struggling with right on the table yeah. and it's it segues to a discussion. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, my take is that uh, people are learning a lot about their buyers and the relevance mm-hmm. of their buyers, not just, and also the, again, the impacts of not solving the problems. The, when I start my workshops, I say, well, what, what happens if they don't solve a problem? Oh, they're going to waste time and money. Well, every business challenge on the planet costs your buyers time and money. Please tell me how and why. Yeah. And become more subject matter expertise is the way uh, I phrase it. So there's all these great benefits to writing jokes. And then the jokes themselves are, are the cherry on top of the gravy on top of the iceberg. That makes that makes sense. And I guess this could this translate into kind of you know, email, cold email outreach with the same kind of methodology method methods work in terms of you're kind of roasting the pain, but you're crafting it away on you know, in, in written format versus um versus cold calling and i'm now trying to think about what i should what my headline should be on on linkedin in terms of roast roasting the problem of the um of the buyers in terms of the, and this is what we can we can do to you know just give them a bit of a wry smile and be the rather than be the helping and enabling and this and that and i try and experiment every um uh, every kind of couple of months with with the headline just to kind of see the different reactions that that, that i get but you know is that is this trans, transmissible, translatable? Can one translate this into kind of written written format as well? Do you think? This is irony at its finest because I just posted on this today on LinkedIn. <laughs> um, so I don't know if you were peeking at my LinkedIn. I and... had a chance today, I'm afraid. <laughs> okay, well that's 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 just weird timing, but uh, it's great timing. Uh, look, I actually posted on the fact that um, I'll I'll tell this joke and, and we'll see if it gets a laugh. We'll see if I can remember it. I'm setting myself up for failure. Uh, Using humor in cold email is kind of like ordering at a restaurant, ordering in English at a restaurant in China. It can lead to confusion, misunderstanding, and there's no general Tao's chicken. <laughs> right. And, and, and I went on to say in the post that like, look, um, humor is, is obviously best delivered vo- yeah. with, with our voices because yeah. there's, there's, um, there's tone, there's a, there's a delivery to it, there's a cadence, there's a rhythm, and there's dynamics to our voice mm-hmm. that lend to emphasis of certain words and phrases. Um, email and, and LinkedIn connection requests, you can still use humor, but you have to really vet the humor maybe with some colleagues that aren't your friends, is yeah. what I suggested. Send it to them on email and say, does this joke work? Does this make sense? Does this get a laugh? because there is no room for nuance or definitely sarcasm. That's the other thing. I certainly don't encourage sarcasm in email or even cold calls to be quite honest, but, but it can work. Um, it, just, it just needs to be looked at a little bit more carefully.
And as 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 I'm now reflecting on that question that I asked you, and you're talking through, of course, because I advise the same thing to clients around having on, on social. Whilst it sounds funny in your head when you're reading it, just cold black and white on text, you don't get the nuance, you don't get the tone, you don't get the you don't get where it's where it's coming from, and it, it can just be well that's just downright rude. <laughs> I'm going to report you to your manager or, you know, blow up on social and things go wrong where, where they were well-intentioned at the start point, but it's just kind of fallen flat on, um, uh, flat on it, on its face. So thinking then to a different medium, starting to see now uh, see more video outreach in terms of video messaging to, to deliver that. Does one think that that could translate into a, a short kind of 20 seconds, 10 seconds video clip introducing a, a joke or and I'm leading an answer here. Do we think we still face the similar challenge because it's still quite um, cold, <laughs> if you if you will, rather than dynamic? Let's come back to the principle, uh, principle of stand up comedy, which is if you go watch a comedy show, there's a very good chance you don't know any co other comics on the show. There's only a handful yeah. of comics that most people know. So if you go to a random show at a club or a bar, It'll feature several comedians. I guarantee you haven't heard of most of them. You don't know them. When they walk on stage, you make some judgments about their physical appearance. Yeah. And at that point, they have like they have to win you over within that first like 12 seconds, like we talked about earlier. And they kind of need to do that a few times so that if, if they're making you laugh three times in succession, at that point, you trust them that they're funny mm -hmm. and you're going to give them more attention for when they go into a longer story. So yeah. when you're do, delivering, um, when you're creating a, a, a video outreach, mm -hmm. the principles are the same as cold email or cold calling. If you can start off with a joke or at least make them laugh in the first 10 to 12 seconds, yeah. they're going to continue to pay attention. They're going to be like, okay, this person earned it. That was a moment of... Uh, of enjoyment in my day and it's it's good prospecting and i appreciate this mm -hmm. and i want to hear what they have to say and of course if you can make it more about them and the challenges they're struggling with yeah. they're going to really want to listen um and i think you can use that that tone of voice that nuance your body language in the humor on video in a way that you can't in a cold call yeah. um the only difference is obviously it's asynchronous so there's it's one way so there's um yeah i hope i use that word correctly because i just like saying asynchronous yeah. I, even <laughs> I think it's correct i think we will talk about asynchronous video messaging and i was going mm, yes i know what you're talking about yeah. <laughs> good <laughs> so and so so in short uh you don't get that that reaction that immediate reaction of someone yeah. laughing on a cold call which feels great when they laugh on a cold call yeah. i actually called uh a cold called someone recently and I hit them up with a joke and they laughed. And it just it just feels so good when when you hit that bullseye and it's relevant to them. Um, and, and so in short, uh, you can totally use humor in video outreach. Um, there's uh, it, it's it's an advantage in video outreach. Just uh, you you lack you miss out on that joy of getting that immediate response. Immediate response. And you know, there, <clears throat> there's a chap called Tom Boston based in in the UK. He's um on he's part of sales loft and uh, he has the advantages. He used to be a radio, I think a radio DJ in Nottingham or somewhere. So his experience in terms of media production but his, and quality media production and his videos out there are, are hilarious, either in roasting himself or even roasting sales loft to a, to a certain extent. But he's just had his role changed to social sales evangelist and moved into marketing because they've got an absolute gem there in terms of just creating that community around him and drawing people to the brand that is that is sales loft around one person which i guess also could be true around 
skills within that was a weird thing in terms of my virtual background just then wait are you are is your home not consist of a poster that says death <laughs> of a city i walk around with this all all the time this is my wallpaper my wife loves it especially with john sealing all, all over the wall like where has our marriage gone wrong is that are you in your experience are there you know individuals who just absolutely get this and others, they they try and they just default back to what they're comfortable with. And that's totally fine, right? If you get it and you run with it and it works, but if it's not for you, a bit like me with kind of social, a bit like you kind of saying that you know, sales wasn't for you, that's that's not that's okay, right? That's not that's not a negative reflection on you no. as a human being if you don't want to be in um in, in sales. So I guess it's just for the audience listening, if they're thinking about wanting to give this a go obviously reach out to John for uh, for help on that, but don't be disheartened if it transpires. That's just not how your brain is wired, I guess is the point I'm trying to get to. Well, look, I, I, I something I claim, I don't claim is that I make people funny. I help make them marginally funnier, even if it's just lear- them learning to deliver one joke repeatedly yeah. with precision and timing that their buyers love. And I divide humanity into three categories. There's mm-hmm. a very small percentage of people who are quote unquote, naturally funny and they're not that, that's not even a thing no one's yeah. naturally funny we're all born with zero sense of humor uh our, our ability to be funny off the cuff and witty and clever and the life of the party mm-hmm. um comes as a result of our life experiences who our family is who we grew up with who our friends yeah. are and of course our emotional intelligence and our iq mm-hmm. and all this all this stuff that can never be controlled um if we look at the bell curve of humanity the vast majority of people lie in the Yep. They have a sense of humor. They know how to laugh at a joke. Mm-hmm. They, or they have laughed at a joke. They've said something funny off the top of their head. Mm-hmm. They've thought of something funny. Um, but, but they just, they appreciate humor. And therefore, I believe the vast majority of humanity can be trained to deliver one joke repeatedly with timing, not be funny all the time, yeah. not know how, what to say in the moment, not, how, not do stand up, but just one joke for a particular audience um, and then there is a very small percentage of people who, uh, who can never make anyone laugh. Um, these are um, sociopaths, or as I like to call them, uh, procurement people. <laughs> Hopefully no procurement people are listening. Some of them are quite nice. Uh, but, but some people just, it doesn't work for some people, I guess yeah. is the point. They don't feel comfortable. It's not natural. And that's okay. Yeah. It's, I, I don't claim that everyone should use this. I do feel that out of a, a sales team of 100, I feel in any given team, there's 10 to 30 people who are like, I'm, this, this is great. I'm going to use this. Yeah. And if they can use it to improve their game uh, with, with jokes themselves, great. For everyone else, like I said, the journey of writing the jokes helps them better understand their buyer and their relevance to the buyer and makes them more conversational, consultative, subject matter expertise. And I think yeah, that, that, that's, if I reflect back on my, my time in my cold calling days is, is, is that A, you are talking to a human being on the other side of a, the phone, just like you or, you or I. So, you know, back to your point around the bell curve of, of humor, they're likely to fall into the bucket. They find things funny. They have watched comedy shows. They have, you know, they, they know how to react to, um, to humor, but you may have just got them on a bad time on a bad day. They may have like just me had a lovely personal tax bill that's just come through the post from HMRC going, we know you left your loan last year during COVID, but now we're going to really screw, screw you in the ass to get the money out of you that you, that you owe. It's like, yay me. Thank you very much. Um, so if somebody, you know, opens the joke, I might actually react to it. Well, if I don't react to it, again, it's not necessarily 
a reflection on them as a human being or even the joke. It's just maybe bad timing, wrong time. Call them back in three months' time, and you might be pleasantly, you know, pleasantly su surprised. And that was the the thing for me is that it was never. I never took it. I initially did. And then I got to the point, I'm not taking this personally. There's no point taking it personally. Life's, life's too short. Just move on. And I think that, and again, you know, separate kind of conversation, I guess, but that probably comes down to life experience a little bit versus the confidence of somebody who's just been kind of let loose onto, right, you want to make how many dials through your, your auto dialer and, and, and so on. If you're not getting the connection, which being told to F off every other call, it can be, I guess, pretty demoralizing. And maybe you should then go and look at one of your shows on YouTube and that'll make you, <laughs> take you out of that funk and make you, uh, make you happy, happy again. Um, I'm gonna put you on the, no, I'm not gonna put you on the spot. No, I'm gonna put you on the spot, but not right now. Any of your clients or any of the, the, the individuals you, that you've worked with, no need to call them out by name, but you've given us two kind of examples that you've, that you've come up with yourself, but any of your students become some absolute crackers that stand out in your mind in terms of, of an opener? So they're uh, jokes themselves? Or openers or jokes themselves, either or. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. The, these guys, it's a, it's a bit of a convoluted business or, or so, so the jokes that, my, that come out of my workshops, Yeah. Uh, they, there's this expression. It's not funny if you have to explain it. Yeah. Uh, in my world, if if you don't explain it, it's not funny. Like, so <laughs> yeah, the exact opposite. So I worked with this company. Um, well, I worked with Canon. Let's let's go with this one. I worked with Canon, and uh, their managed services team. Yeah. And large organizations hate dealing with print. Mm -hmm. No one wants to own it. It's like the COO doesn't want to own it. The CIO doesn't want to own it. It's like the ugly redheaded stepchild of operations at all companies. So, so Canon's basically like, look, we'll take care of your device management, your toner updates, your paper, your secure, your network updates, the security software, they do everything associated with print. So the joke that one of those, go, one, one of their people wrote, or one of the groups wrote, was that closet full of toner could be good inventory management or a sign of a hoarding disorder. Nice. <laughs> and then the other one that kind of stands, there's a couple more that stand out, but one, uh, one I love is I worked with a company called EventMobi mm -hmm. and they do apps for conferences. Yeah. And the challenge is that if you're planning a large conference before a global pandemic, of course, yeah. you have to print off uh, agendas. You also have to worry about disposing them after everyone leaves them lying around yeah. the conference hall. So the joke these guys wrote is, the biggest challenge about printing programs for your conference is finding a big enough recycling bin to put them in. Yeah, you can see how that works and then straight away, yeah, because they you big recycling bin, lots of paper, you can see the image in, in your head and then off you go on the, um, uh, on, on the conversation. Uh, yeah. I, I, I like it. And then before I let you go, John, because I'm conscious of, of all of our time um, here, but yours more importantly than mine, what's your, what's your go-to joke or your favorite kind of line that you you deliver in terms of your your stand-up comedy if you have if there is such one in terms of my stand-up comedy yeah uh for years my it's not my favorite but it's been the most effective joke over the years mm -hmm. is uh you know people like like i said I, audiences make judgments about how we look so i say everyone uh yes i, I am an actor i was uh, burt on sesame street 
And then I got the role of Ross and Monica's dad on Friends. I'm glad you went down that route because that's that's who I see in terms of who you, who you look like. So anybody watching this on YouTube, you can obviously see, forgive me, Ross's dad here. But those of you who are listening, go to YouTube or go to John. John uh, John's profile picture probably doesn't, uh, doesn't give it, do, do it justice. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that's... I, I've been using it. I, I've been using it for years, and I, I don't. If if you were to see me do stand up, and if I go, if I go back to stand up, yeah. I'm not sure if I am to be honest. After this pandemic, there's been something nice about not being around mm-hmm. comedy clubs and colleagues, shall we say? Um, <laughs> it's a weird world. I'm sort of like too dysfunctional to work for someone's sales team, but I'm way too functional for the world of stand up, uh, and so I, I I do what I do. Um, but if you catch me doing stand up in the future, I I probably won't use that joke. If I do virtual, I will. I've done a lot of Zoom and I I use that joke because I lean on it. Mm -hmm. But when I'm doing comedy in front of crowds, I I, I haven't been doing that joke for, I don't know, a couple of years in front of live audiences. But when over this pandemic, I did a ton of Zoom comedy. I really leaned on that joke. It Mm -hmm. got people on my side within seconds. Yeah. And it works over and over. Awesome. John, this has been brilliant. I was look. I, mean, I do look forward to interviewing all my guests, but I've been particularly looking forward to what this one this uh, this week, just because I knew it would make me make me smile and laugh. Uh, where can people find you if they want to learn more about how you may be able to help them with their sales teams and everything we've talked we've uh, talked about? There's two spots. Uh, there's johnseelig.com. The H in John is both silent and invisible. In other words, J-O-N-S-E-L-I-G.com. I encourage people to sign up for my email list. I, I send out uh, lessons that sales pros can learn from truly terrible stand-up comedians, the kinds who never get out of the open mic circuits. Uh, there's a lot of valuable learning there. Um, also, just LinkedIn. Just find me on LinkedIn. I, I post all that stuff there too. Perfect. So I'll put all the links in the, um, and I'm doing my YouTube thing. I don't know which one's supposed to uh, to look. And if you're listening, the links will be in the um, uh, in the podcast. And I'll also put the links to your uh, your YouTube channel as well, so people can see some of your historical, your historical, historical, God, just shut up, Alexander. John, <laughs> thank you so much. It's been an absolute uh, pleasure to have you, uh, have you on. Likewise, it's a lot of fun. And thank you for having me and, uh, you know, happy selling. Thank you.